Good morning. 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 Uh, good morning on Zoom. Are we zoomed in? Very good. Uh, good morning to Reg. Reg is our uh, Reg Larkins, our pastor. For those that, if anybody doesn't know, uh, I'm filling in while he's getting better. We look forward to having him back. Um, I am basically giving my testimony today, and I have to tell you that um, whatever the testimonies are important. Testimonies are important to uh, give people hope to um, that they can see the work of the Lord that has happened in people who are a bit older and uh, even younger. But uh, me standing up here today has done a lot for me just in the last couple of days. Um, I really needed to be reminded from where I came from. I feel like that after 40 years of being a Christian, that I was struggling, that you know, things going on in this world and me being focused on work and different things that uh, I, I needed this. I needed to be reminded of who I am and where I came from. So uh, let's start with prayer. Father God, uh, we thank you for these reminders that of the work that you do that even those that come before you and ask, it's only your work, it's only your Holy Spirit that changes us and leads us forward. And that we have the anchor of your word before us. And I pray that the words spoken today are those that are your words and not my own. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, if I didn't say, my name is Steve Hype. I was born in Poughkeepsie, New York, two, uh, two hours outside of New York City. Uh, my grandparents on my mother's side were Harry and Martha Morey. Uh, they were important because whenever I was growing up, my mother would tell me uh, some stories, and the two stories that I remember is how they were Christians and that during the depression a lot of people lost their jobs and uh, her father Harry Morey would come home and say well I took another pay cut today but a lot of people lost their jobs and I still have mine um, she told me of stories whenever uh, people would be looking for food that they passed it around. Hey, you can go to this house and you'll receive some of their food. And they didn't have much, but they, they cooked what they had. And whenever people knocked at the back door, they would give freely to the people that came for food. Another story that is part of my message today 
is that my mother told me as a small child that if she ever couldn't find her mother in the house, she always knew where she was. And she would go to her mother's room, mother and father's room, and she would stand at the doorway because her mother was on her knees at the bed. And she would listen to the prayers that were being said. And um, that, you know, just waiting for her mother to be finished. And so that she could, you know, ask her mother something. And, uh, but she, she told me that the prayers were praying for her children. But it wasn't just her children. She was going down through the generations and praying for their children and their children. These things are important. Um, my mother, Maribel Height, my father, George Height, um, basically they got married because she got pregnant. So did God give up calling my mother? No, because somebody was praying for her. Her mother was praying for her. I remember as a young boy, we were going to the Lutheran church. Um, well, first let me tell you something about my father. So my father, George Hyde, had a rough upbringing and he suffered with some problems. You know, and uh, we can talk about that more, but um, he, I remember with my mother, they always took us three kids. My uh, older sister, Suzanne, me, and my younger sister, Patricia. She was the one that took us to church. My father stayed home. And one day, my mother came home and she says, I'm not taking the kids back to church. And he said, why is that? They need to go to church. She says, if church is not important to you, I'm not going to take them. You need to come. We're going as a family or we're not going at all. And my dad thought about that for the, the rest of the time. He went to church with us. That was his choice. And, you know, that's that's a turning point. And I'm so proud of my mother standing up, and I'm so proud of my father, who even with the tough things that he lived through, that he uh, chose at that moment to take us to church. We came out of church one day whenever I was, oh, probably 12 or 13. And I was sitting in, well, we were waiting for my mom. She was doing something in church and we were all like, time to go. <laughs> and uh, when she finally came out, she gets in the car, slams the door. You'd have to know my mother. She just didn't get angry. She was living. And she turned to her husband 
And she was so angry and she said, I don't care what that pastor says, I am not a sinner. <laughs> but someone was praying for her. Um, so, my most memorable Christmas actually wasn't even a present that I got. It was something that my older sister got. She got a little record player and two record albums. Uh, one of them was the Supremes and not sure what the other one was. But soon to follow were the Beatles, of course, huh? So, we had a basement in our house in Kentucky. Uh, we had been transferred to Kentucky with IBM. And we did roller skates around the whole underside of our house, going around and around and around and around with the Beatles playing and the Supremes playing and my sister skating nonstop backwards and me trying to do it, who was uncoordinated as Tracy will testified to. Uh, and I, I couldn't do what she could do. And I was so jealous. Uh, she was better at baseball. She was better at any, all these different things. But uh, I was introduced to music. And, you know, the culture at the time that started permeating the, uh, the young people of the day uh, once I became a Christian, I apologized to my mother for the young man that I was, with, who I'd been. And she looked at me and she said, nobody knew what was happening. There was nobody out there saying, don't do drugs, don't do these things, because no one knew what was going on. And, uh, you know, I just thought that was interesting. I, I, at first, whenever I was going to give my testimony, I said, I'm going to leave out all this stuff. You know, I, I, it's going to be a mixed crowd. I don't want to leave it all out. And then I realized, no, it's my testimony. It's important for all people to know what God can do, even in the midst of tragedies and all the different things that, do, that go on in our lives. Uh, we moved to Texas whenever I was 13 from Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, at age 15, uh, I got my first job. I'd always done things. I had a paper route and different things. And I was real proud to, to uh, have my first job. And it was at that time that I was introduced to marijuana, with drugs, uh, drinking, and different things like that. And it's right now that I want to talk to the young people that are in here. So let's have some attention that seriously, um, let me find my place here. Exodus 21 through 6 states, to have no other gods before the Lord. 
but there's a lot of different things. People don't think about it, but, um, you know, where you can worship money, you can worship anything that you're putting before God is something that is going to drag you away from God. It could be an obsessive towards video games. It can be uh, alcohol, which is perfectly illegal. It can be drugs. It can be money. It can be a person. Those things are going to drag you off the track. So you young people have dreams. You, you have a desire to do something in your life. Maybe it's just get married and have children of your own. But I'm telling you, the world out there is not friendly. You're protected in your home. And, but you're going to be out in the world. I was completely innocent of knowing anything about some of this stuff. And I went to my first job and I was introduced to it. Others are going to go to college and hopefully it's a friendly college that's not got that stuff, but the world has that stuff. You can't be dragged away. It's important to uh, have your mind on God. The, uh, the second scripture is running the race, is stripping off all those encumbering things. Now I'm saying this for a reason, because I love young people. I love the people that are lost because that's where I came from. And it's very important that uh, we don't get caught up in things that are going to distract us for years. You can ask people that have children that have fallen away and they'll tell you they were taught right. They just were pulled away. Um, Okay, so I'm going to say one other thing about uh, what I taught in one of the Sunday school classes of the 9 to 12, I think was what it was. I wasn't doing it very long. But God laid something on my heart. And I walked in the classroom that day and I said, so I got a question for you. In the Old Testament, whenever the, the children of God came out of uh, Egypt and they went up to the Promised Land, they were instructed to uh, rid the land of the evil people that were there because they uh, would be a uh, bad influence on the children and the, the generations that were coming in. They, they, these people, you know, they just they needed to be eradicated and God protected his people by, by doing that. And we think that it's so horrible today. And, you know, it is except for the part that God was protecting his people. But then if you fast forward to uh, after Jesus was crucified and he was ready to rise to the Father, after he walked the earth for a little bit. Uh, he said, go into all the world and make disciples of men. So the Old Testament is 
I'm going to protect you by eradicating all these people. I'm going to protect your families. And then you fast forward to the New Testament and it says, go into all the world. What's the difference? Why is there such a difference? Do they not love the people of today, or I'm talking about back then, now, did he not love the disciples and the Israelites and the people that were becoming Christians? Did he love them less? And so I got some answers, but the answer, in my opinion, is that then he said, but wait, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that protects us. And that we are able to go into the world and tell people about Jesus. So the Bible is very, very important. It is an anchor to us. And I'm still talking to young people. But there's more. There's the Holy Spirit. And you can talk with your parents about the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you that we're losing too many children in this world today. And too many people are being sucked up by what's going on. You know, going to colleges and, and walking away from their first love, from the, all the teachings that their parents told them. The Holy Spirit is one thing that will protect you and uh, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is more than just knowing about God. It is. You have to have more. And so I encourage you to seek more. All right, so I'm going to get back to the testimony. That was my first little sermon. So I got deeper into a lot of things. I can tell you that in high school, I was rarely home. I was out with my friends. Uh, I got straight B's only because I just chose never to skip school. And the people that did skip school, teachers kept repeating everything all the time. I got it down and I was able to get you know, straight B's, which isn't great, but, um, uh, but I was never home at night. And, uh, but everything came to a screeching halt for me in my life whenever in my senior year of high school, my father died. He didn't just die, he committed suicide. I can tell you, it's the most horrible thing for the people that are left. It is, it's just, it's, it's bad. And I reacted uh, by getting more and more wild. Uh, I was 19 years old and I had nightmares at night and I would call my mother in the middle of the night crying and telling her of the nightmares. Um, my mother, on the other hand, were fighting. She was fighting uh, her own battles. She wanted to know where her husband was, and she prayed day and night. She was 
constantly talking to me about it. She was very upset. She was the one that found me. And uh, one day I came home and my mother said, I had a vision last night. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> what do you mean vision? She said, well, I was in bed and I opened my eyes and it was the middle of the night, but the room was filled with light. It was coming in through the window. And she said, I sat up and, and you'd have to know our house, the windows were higher. And where their bed was, she would have been looking in the opposite direction. But she said, I didn't get out of bed, I just sat up. And I, I, I could see outside. And she couldn't understand some of the things because she didn't know anything about miracles or visions or anything like that. In fact, you know, we really weren't even going to church anymore. Um, but uh, she said this, she said, I couldn't see any faces, but this man in the road came down through the trees then walked across the backyard and there was a burnt crumpled up body on the ground. And he reached down and he took the body by the hand and the, and the body became whole. And they went through the back door and out the front door and ascended into the trees. And she said, I don't understand it. And I'm like, mom, that's your answer. And I don't know where my father is, but we don't know at the moment of death or who gives their heart to the Lord at what times. And, you know, people would be mean and say, uh, well, your husband's in hell. And I don't know why anybody would do that, at least from my standpoint, why anybody would do that. But that I know of, uh, I could very possibly see my father in heaven. And if he's not there, it's, that's okay. You know, I'm grateful for the life that God's given me. But um, it took me a minute to convince her that that was actually uh, the answer that she'd been praying for. And I was mostly saying it for her comfort because she was so disturbed by the thought that he might have gone to hell. My mother started going back to church. Uh, me, on the other hand, I was running as far as I could. And uh, she got in with the with a home group of people that a returning evangelist who had gone around the world and he just started a home group. And my mother started telling me these stories. She said, oh, you know, this guy was having back problems and, and then the evangelist said, well, we'll sit down here and stretch out your legs. And, you know, oh, look at that. That one leg is longer than the other. And he prayed and my mother was like, that great, that leg grew. And I'm like, <laughs> but God can do what he wants. And, you know, uh, I'm sensitive to people attributing things to God that wasn't God. But 
she was telling me some miraculous things. She also started talking to me about Jesus, like a lot. And it would make me mad. And in fact, uh, one day, she was on her Jesus kick. And I cursed God to her face to try and get her to shut up. But you know what? Someone was praying for me too. And I knew my mother was praying for me and she told me the whole group was praying for me and I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> um, she went back to the evangelist and she said, you know, I keep telling my son, Stephen, about Jesus. And he's fighting me. And, you know, and she told him what I did. And she looked at my mother and she said, uh, he, he looked at my mother and she said, uh, I got it wrong again. He looked at my mother and he said to her that, uh, Maribel, you're in God's way. You need, to, you need to close your mouth and quit talking to your son about Jesus. God can do the work. He doesn't need you. You need to back off and not say anything. So, you know, I had a little bit of a honeymoon period there where I'm like, wow, my mother's not talking to me about Jesus anymore. And then as time went on, you know, a few months go by and I'm like, why is she not talking to me about Jesus anymore? It started bothering me that she wasn't doing it. In fact, I literally said to myself, she's not talking to me about Jesus anymore. I wonder what she's up to. <laughs> In the meantime, my life is spiraling downhill. One day, um, some of my friends came out. I, I know who they were. I saw them leaving my road, it was a dead end road where I lived. Um, and they had stolen stuff from me, like a lot of stuff from me. And so I got a hold of uh, other friends, all the same group, and we basically had turf war. Half of them were on my side, half were on the other side. In a matter of three days, and I'm telling you, my mother was praying for me. The group was praying for me the whole time. They just weren't talking about it. But in a matter of three days, I had three guns stuck in my face. And the next day was Sunday morning. And uh, because there were gunfires going off, no one got killed or, or shot, uh, the police rounded up a couple of them. And I get a call from the Travis County judge who says, so I'm getting some wild stories from these guys that are in my jail about how they stole stuff from you, how you think they stole stuff and da 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 da. And he says, uh, this has got to stop. I can't have this going on in my city. And, uh, uh, I'm going to have to do something about it if it doesn't stop. And of course I did what anybody completely scared out of their mind would do. 
Uh, yes, sir. <laughs> but it really shook me up. Um, I decided to quit the business that I was doing because things were going so poorly, not necessarily with making money, it's just that I wasn't happy, I wasn't, I was miserable. And one of my clients, who was a prominent artist, had uh, asked if I wanted to work full time and I thought, I think I'll, I'll do that. And so I go out there to interview, he's got his lawyer there and, and all this stuff, but in the end, uh, they offered me a job. I'm driving back home. I'm a little excited that I actually got a job. I've run businesses my whole life up to that point. And the Holy Spirit came in the car. And my hand went up in the air. I was driving, so I had to and I started saying over and over, praise the Lord. That day changed my life forever. It wasn't me asking. God knew I was not going to go into church. He came in and made my car a church. I didn't even know the words, praise the Lord. You know, I didn't know if it was a thing or anything like that. I didn't even know about people raising their hands. My hand automatically went up in the air and I started repeating over and over, praise the Lord. I go home and I tell my mother, I called her first, I said, I didn't even have to say anything. I said, something happened to me today. And she said, you were born again. And I'm going, I don't know what it is, but it, and I described what happened. And as we were, she was rejoicing and I'm like, wow, <laughs> but, she said, and then she started saying, I'm so glad you didn't have to go to prison. <laughs> what are you talking about, Mom? She said, I pray to God whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And she said, Aren't you glad you didn't have to go to prison? <laughs> I am. I am glad. Uh, my first year of being a Christian, I. It was funny because I went to the Lutheran church, but whatever happened to me, I was so on fire for God. Uh, whatever happened to me, um, I didn't see it in the Lutheran church. And so I didn't go to church. I didn't know where to go, what to do. My mother got me a Bible, and I sat out in the country, and I read my Bible. And I would talk to God out loud. I still talk to God out loud. And sometimes to myself out loud. I would ask him questions because I'd read things that were puzzling in the Bible. And I started actually getting answers. And I could tell that it was him speaking to me. And, uh, but it took a while. And so, you know, one of my questions later on was, why does it take two months for me to get an answer? And he goes, well, I've been telling you the whole time, you just weren't ready to do that. And uh, so I learned to hear God's voice. 
while out there in the country. My friends wouldn't come around anymore because they'd come out to party. And all I talked about was Jesus and they were well, he's no fun, you know. So I had no friends. And it was just God and me. And uh, but it was a very important time of hearing God's voice. Um, I still had dreams, but uh, the dreams were mostly good. There was one night in particular that uh, I was asleep. And the dream went like this. I was climbing a tree, of all things, and a tree farm. Of course it is a tree. So I was climbing a tree on a hillside. And there was a road up there, and I'm climbing and climbing. It was a hot day, and I was sweating, and it was a struggle. And I got to a fork in the tree, and I looked over, and there was a road. And I thought, well, that looks a lot better. And so I jumped from the tree over to the road, and instantly, in the dream, the bottom part of me became like a, a, a disc or a, a sled. And I'm like sliding down this road. Just, it was in the mountains, and it was this gorgeous valley. And the further down I went, the more the Holy Spirit was filling me. And then I'd see people trudging up the other way. And I got mad and I said, God, why would you put people in the way? There wasn't room to pass. I said, why would you put people in the way that I would be stopped from this incredible journey that you're sending me on? And he said, Trust me. And I looked up and I could see on each person on their forehead worry, drugs, alcohol, all these things that wear down people. And every person I look and it goes worry. And I thought, I don't need that, Lord. And the moment I said, I don't need that, Lord. The road widened out and passed. This continued, and as I was going in my dream down the road into this valley, the Holy Spirit was coming on me stronger and stronger and stronger. And finally, I woke up with a jerk. I sat completely straight up in bed. And went. <gasps> and I'm convinced to this day that if I kept going down that path, I would have to have died or something because the Holy Spirit was too strong in that dream. It woke me up just like that. And I got up and I wrote down the dream and I have that to this day. So that's clearly uh, a message also to me from God. Um, my mother was my champion and I don't know who your champion is but my mother was my champion every night she 
would come into my bed and we would talk every single night. I, then I know of she didn't do it with my sisters. She did it with me. When there were issues at school, she would go to the school and she would stand up for me. And, you know, she was always there through my whole life. And it's only appropriate that it would be by her prayers that I came to know Jesus Christ. She, I found out later, uh, after she was gone from my sisters, and they told me, you know, uh, one of my, my older sister was living in Oklahoma, and my younger one in Maryland. And they said, Steve, we tried so hard to get her to move to one of our houses to be close to the grandchildren. Uh, because I wouldn't marry her. Uh, be close to the grandchildren. And she would never do it. And she always said the same thing. I can't leave Stephen. He needs me. My mother was my champion. We have a crisis. I mean, that's basically my testimony. I don't have another page. But we have a crisis in this country. I don't know if you all have noticed, but things are not getting better. And we're losing young people. And the reason why this testimony is important is because prayers matter. Prayers matter. We, we say that we pray here. But prayers matter. And it goes back to my grandmother. And it went back to my mother. And it's not just the prayers, but um, lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. So let's just go to what I, I want to see a show of hands of anybody who has a child who's walked away from the faith. Can I see a show of hands? It's too many people. It's too many. And what makes this testimony important is that we hear that we have a choice to, to walk the aisle and accept Jesus and whatnot. But I'm telling you, God is in the business of saving people and he doesn't need your help. We taught our children the way, right? We taught them the way. And, you know, even with families that don't, we can pray and I can't say who's going to be saved and who isn't, but I can tell you one thing. God had no invitation to come in that car and save me, especially in a dramatic fashion like that, other than to stand here and let you all know God's still in the business. I did not invite him in. He chose me. He, cho he chooses his people. And we can pray. The, uh, we need to protect our young people. 
and you need to pray for those that have walked away. There's no reason why we should suffer in silence. I don't talk about my children who have walked away. I, I'm not like that. I don't go, you know, very often. Um, but the desperation on the inside of our hearts breaking, knowing the consequences. I'm going to read a scripture, First Peter. Uh, uh, 2, 19 through 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I think that it wouldn't, I think the people who have important friends, children, uh, I think we should start, and I don't have the power to do it, but there's no reason why we can't get together once a month and support one another and pray together. Um, it's too easy for me to go about my day and not think about my lost children. It's too easy. And this is another wake up call for me. My mother was my champion. Am I the champion for my children or am I just letting it go, waiting for God to do something? And I want to change. And I, would, I wouldn't mind being a part of the group where we're getting together and we're supporting and we're praying so we can talk about that. Um, that would be in the Regis Department and elders uh, unless it's just you know, people doing it. Um, I'm going to close in prayer. Father God, this is the time where there's upheaval and and it seems like things are getting worse and worse and worse. But in reality, you know, it's it's not necessarily because this goes through all generations. And the people that have come before her, and the people that are coming, are, are coming, the people that are here. We've all needed you. You are the one. You are the only one. We pray that you would open the eyes of those that are blind. That you would open those ears. Uh, we've done what we can to love the people around us. But we want to see our children be reunited to their faith. We want it to be more than just stories. We want our children to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want our children to, in a blink of an eye, change. 
And it's not me to tell you how to do it or anything like that. But we're more desperate than sometimes we let other people know. And uh, we all know friends also. And we ask you that you would uh, bring people into the kingdom. Bring our children into the kingdom. In the name of Jesus, amen.